Human behavior has always been a mystery. Why do people do what they do? Why do they react one way when we expected something else? How do we learn to understand, connect with, enroll, engage, align with people most effectively? Hi, I'm Christine Cummerford, founder of Smart Tribes Institute, and welcome to our Smart Tribes Crack the Behavior Code podcast. In each episode, you'll learn practical, easy-to-use tools to better understand and change human behavior. These tools will help your team outperform, out-engage, outsell the competition. In other words, to become a smart tribe. Oh, and you'll find these tools super helpful in your personal life too. Let's go. Today, let's talk a little bit more about emotional agility in really terms of energy and what energy we are sending. See, emotional agility and resilience give leaders the edge they need to quickly pivot during stressful situations. Emotions have energy. We have proof that emotions have measurable energy and can either foster or negate actual cell life. Dr. Hawkins' groundbreaking work, as explained in his book, Power Versus Force, shows us how a person's log level the measurable energy level in their body's magnetic field increases as that person experiences more positive emotions. And when it decreases, cells actually die. What's the net net? Emotional agility is a key trait for leaders. Emotions have energy. And what we focus on, we add fuel to. How do we propel employee engagement to skyrocketing levels. How do we help people in general feel good? Often leaders are focusing so intensely on growth that we miss the fact that our team's emotional experience is suffering. And when they're suffering, they're in their critter state, which is the fight, flight, freeze, limbic system override state, pain, suffering, emotional disengagement, versus the ideal of being in their smart state, high collaboration, high emotional engagement, high innovation and creativity, great results and performance. When you give people what they crave, their critter brain calms down and we can guide them into their smart state. This is where true rapport, connection, alignment, enrollment and engagement live. Oh, and high performance, collaboration, and sustainability are the results. Remember, safety plus belonging plus mattering equals trust. Have you noticed that life is moving at light speed and it only seems to be getting faster? And have you also noticed that people are more stressed out than ever? That's why emotional agility is essential. You need it to navigate turbulent times. You need it to keep your sense of humor. You need it to deal with the perpetual uncertainty of your fast-paced daily life. No matter what external situations you face, emotional agility is your superpower. So what is emotional agility? Well, Daniel Goldman's groundbreaking book, Emotional Intelligence, it changed the way that we think about human interaction, ultimately making it okay to acknowledge that humans are emotional beings, even at work. And this concept of emotional intelligence is crucial for each of us to understand. 
Lack of it causes the majority of human conflicts, including employee terminations, divorces, even wars. However, it's not enough to simply know that emotional intelligence is important. We have to ask ourselves how we can best shift our emotional state to achieve the outcomes we want, especially when we are overwhelmed by constant change. Emotional agility is critical at work and in life overall. Our words shape our reality and they are based on the stories that we tell ourselves about the world, ourselves and others. This is why reframing is crucial for leaders and for human beings overall. It's a terrific tool to shape the reality that you want. Reframing is a way of viewing and experiencing events, ideas, concepts and emotions to find more useful alternatives. It is a practical and valuable tool to shift perception, including your perception of yourself or others' perceptions of themselves. So think of reframing in a different pair of glasses. What would you see if you put on a pair of glasses with a heavy tint when you were in a dark room? You would probably see shadows and dark forms that you couldn't identify. And what would happen when you took off those glasses? You might see the most beautiful room in the world. When you switch your glasses, what you see changes. Reframing mentally and linguistically does the same thing. It changes the story you tell yourself about something. When you change the story, you change the meaning and you change how something feels, empowering or disempowering. That's then going to change the behavior. Reframing helps us make new meaning quickly and easily. Reframing is a practical tool to shift perception, including your perception of yourself, things outside of you, or even other people's perceptions of themselves or of things outside. These visual things we see, auditory things we hear, and kinesthetic things that we touch and things that we feel, emotions as well count here, often recall our beliefs Recall meaning bring back, bring up our beliefs about the world and ourselves. The beliefs about ourselves are our identity. And this results in us either feeling good or feeling bad. If you're on a sales team that feels bad, chances are you won't be achieving your quota because your motivation and creativity is low. Let's talk about how humans create experiences. Our behaviors don't always feel good but they do always feel familiar to our creature neurology. That's our reptilian brain and our mammalian brain. And let me just do a quick review on the reptilian brain and mammalian brain. The reptilian brain is the part of the brain that's responsible for temperature regulation, breathing, balance, life support systems. The reptilian brain, if it could speak, it would say dead or not. It's about physical safety and keeping your body alive. The mammalian brain is about emotional safety. This is where we have uh, fear, anger, love, peace, all those emotions. So our behaviors feel familiar to our creature neurology. That's why we repeat them. They are the best feeling option we have available 
once a trigger event has occurred. Now, the key to changing the bad feeling behavior is to understand the structure of human experience. We can create and choose our reality based on visual, auditory, kinesthetic cues. We have the power to alter the meaning of visual, auditory, kinesthetic cues. And VAK anchoring creates new emotional agility, capabilities, and behaviors. To increase your humanity at work, understand your five organismic rights. We all have rights as human beings, but if we don't know or acknowledge our fundamental rights, or if we don't understand them, we'll often suffer, cause others to suffer, and worst case, self-sabotage, which in turn sabotages those around us that count on us. So to live in a state of emotional agility, emotional resilience more consistently, we need to build the mental muscles of self-awareness. We need to crack our own behavioral code. And one of the best ways to increase our self-awareness is to get in touch with our organismic rights. First, note where you have an opportunity to increase your organismic rights. Notice where you get triggered and which rights of yours are low in those situations. Then follow the infographic on the show page and work on increasing your org rights with your leadership coach, with your colleagues, with your friends and family. Sometimes leaders call me saying that they want help to fix their team. That's always a red flag for me. A CEO of a West Coast food company called me a while back and he said his team lacked accountability and he wanted me to, quote, fix them, unquote. How is the accountability in your organization? Would you like it to be stronger? If so, then please do this first. Number one, look at your company's values. Is accountability mentioned? Is it sacred? Number two, look at your team's emotional engagement. Are they enrolled, aligned, engaged? Number three, look in the mirror. Does your behavior support accountability? Are you a model of it? Leaders can either create the conditions for accountability or they can interfere with them. Communication and organizational values will profoundly boost accountability. And accountability needs to feel good. How will you create the conditions for greater accountability today? Steve Jobs had it. Mark Zuckerberg has it, but recently didn't listen to it and paid a huge price. Elon Musk made the same mistake. Intuition, spidey sense, gut feel, whatever you call it, it'll make or break the most important decisions in your life. The most successful executives I coach have it in spades. Let's talk about the three steps to access your hidden, gorgeous brain power. Let's talk about how and where intuition actually works. Here's how to make your intuition stronger right now. So first let's consider how and where humans think. And as I outlined in a previous blog that we're linking to here, human beings actually have three brains. Since both our hearts and our intestines, our gut has neural tissue, 
we have the heart brain, the gut brain, and the brain that sits in our cranium. Or if you count the one that sits in your cranium as three, reptilian, mammalian, and neocortex, then we actually have five brains. So intuition operates in all these brains. So it's important to really understand how intuition works. Intuition is a combination of the five functioning brains that you have. Intuition can be cultivated and improved by paying attention to the input your brains are offering you. Why do people struggle in relationships and with their communication skills? It's because they don't use the right words. Well, they might be the right words for you, but are they the right words that the other person needs to hear? Language structures reality and language sets the tone for respect, kindness, safety, belonging, mattering, and more. And it can do the opposite too. Language helps us understand what another person is experiencing, how to support them, how to honor them, and it can do the opposite too. As a leadership and culture coach, I frequently help clients use the most effective words to get the result they want with others. When you start to notice the power of words, you start to speak differently because you now know that language can either boost confidence or bash it. It can align, enroll, engage teams or tear them apart. It can create utter devotion and loyalty or cause people to quit. How would you like to tune up your communication skills? What stresses you out? We know we shouldn't get freaked out. We shouldn't get anxious. We know staying present is really important. It's going to help us find better solutions. We know we should be getting a good night's rest so we can tackle the situation with a fresh mind the next day. But we can't always get there without help. We've been hijacked. Our patterns are in charge. Hey, we're human. No one has time to process every single little blip in their life. We can't track down the source of every pattern. And you know what? Sometimes it's not even a pattern. It's just life. So how do we take care of our health? How do we stay mindful of what's important when life throws us a curveball? Well, whatever you like to call it, meditation, mindfulness, stopping our thoughts. You know about the well-documented benefits of meditation. Everyone's been talking about it. But are you doing it? And one of the biggest indicators of my coaching client success in stepping up their leadership is whether they have an existing mindfulness practice or whether they're willing to start one. So mindfulness meditation has long been touted as an effective way to improve our health and our well-being. And studies are super subjective and, and difficult to validate in the past. But new studies are reporting that mindfulness meditation helps us relieve our levels of perceived anxiety and depression. It improves attention, concentration, contributes to better sleep. Once you reach your 40s or possibly earlier, you're likely to have experienced a profound personal hardship and had to navigate it while keeping your job. Now, whether it's the death of a loved one, a divorce, a life-threatening disease, a significant injury or something else, personal hardship takes its toll on us. So here are some tips to help you care for yourself and others 
when these twists and turns of life occur. Check in with yourself. Give yourself the gift of being honest when others ask you how you are. Sooner or later, we all have to navigate our work while moving through personal hardship, asking others for help, giving yourself internal and external space, getting into nature, help a great deal. How much truth do you tell? The whole truth, the partial truth, the preferred truth. I've been noticing how uncomfortable truth can be for people to hear. And I'm getting really curious as to why we lie so often. When did it become not okay to say what was really going on? When did we start dancing around our needs, our truth, our beliefs? Did it really make us more safe? Enable us to belong? Enable us to matter? So here's some ways that you can tell the truth, ranked from the easiest, in my experience, see what yours is, to the more challenging. Number one, tell the truth to yourself about yourself. Number three, tell the truth about yourself to another. Number four, tell the truth about another to another. Number five, tell the truth to everyone about everything. What would it be like for you to tell the truth, all five types, just for a week? Today, let's look at three strategies to help with millennial management challenges. Millennials, the generation born between 1980 and 2000, are perhaps the most social and yet the most surprisingly isolated employees in history. Now, there aren't really that many surprises here though, um, because they're taking over the workforce. So they're a force and a brilliant one to be reckoned with. Now, millennials were raised in a very different world than prior generations. Millennials grew up surrounded by computers and cell phones, and 80% have sent a text message in the last 24 hours, compared to 63% of Generation Xers and only 35% of baby boomers. So it's no wonder they have less experience with face-to-face -face connection which makes leading them in the workplace at times a challenge. Now, while these employees may seem like an enigma, it's essential to crack their behavioral code. Why? Because millennials make up 75% of the workforce in the next 10 years. So here are a few strategies to understanding their work style. Number one, use their strong technical skills to your benefit. Do you ever struggle with leveraging technology to further your company? Millennials are wizards when it comes to communicating via computer, phone, any form of electronic device. Number two, ensure they work in groups. An IBM study revealed that more than half of millennial workers claimed to work better in groups than alone. They also believe that they made better business decisions when there were various forms of input. So on this front, the younger and older generations are in sync. So then back to number three, give frequent feedback. The cliche about younger generations growing up with an excessive amount of praise isn't entirely off mark. Millennials were a generation raised by parents who asked for their opinions, answered all their questions, and praised them when they did a good job. 
they are used to receiving feedback and instant gratification. So the net net, use this stuff. <laughs> Taking the time to incorporate their technological literacies, create strong teams, and give feedback will ensure a better future for all involved. Millennials are an invaluable asset to your company. Be patient with them, listen to them, and remember that they are the future of your company. Maneuver your consciousness. We've all felt how draining fear-based emotions can be, and nothing saps our life force more than panic, overreaction, and unexpected upsets. Yuck. What if you could choose how you felt with ease? And it starts with shifting from resistance to consent. And again, consent is not saying something is okay. It's just saying something is. So for instance, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can either resist it. Ah, I'm overwhelmed. I wish I wasn't. Ah, I hate this. Or you can say, wow, whew, I am feeling overwhelmed. All right. Now, what would I like? So Thankfully, there's a proven process uh, that we have that will help you through every step along the way. So remember, whatever we focus on, we fuel. When we put time and energy into resisting an emotion, we make it stronger. But if we consent to feeling what already is, we shift our relationship to what's happening and we begin to loosen up our emotional experience. And once we've added more options to our menu of emotional choices... Our current conscious emotional experience quite easily. Not only does this process help release resistance, but it also helps us to have choices and to increase our productivity. The quicker we can shift out of resistance and into consent, being present to what's really happening, the faster we can focus on what really moves the needle. As humans, we have 100 billion neurons available, yet only 15% are activated, according to HeartMath Institute. And in large part, because we focus so heavily on the outer world. So I mentioned in the past that there was an eight-week study that Harvard researchers did at Mass General Hospital that showed how meditation actually rebuilds the brain's gray matter in just eight weeks. Our thoughts are the voice of our ego, and our ego is primarily driven by fear. So just how much value can a repetitive thought add? Why do we have repetitive thoughts? Great questions. I believe we have repetitive thoughts because most of us haven't learned to train our minds, and our minds and thoughts can be trained pretty darn quickly. Every highly accomplished leader I know learns how to stop the world. And to stop the world, we have to stop our thoughts. And we can do that on command. This is one of the best ways to make key decisions, to determine if a competitive action is truly a threat, to see future products, to assess the current state of a person who is struggling, to navigate conflict and challenges. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Every listen, every share, every review helps others form their own smart tribes where teams are engaged, happy, and optimally performing. Together, you and I can help millions of people crack the behavior code in their organizations, families, and communities. I invite you to take two minutes and head over to smarttribesinstitute.com 
to discover more about how to form a smart tribe. See you there, and please tell your friends.